Hi, I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for listening to this podcast. There are many more podcasts available at MyFaithRadio.com. Your support makes this possible. Thank you. And a warm welcome to the afternoon show. I'm Bill Arnold, and although it's afternoon for me, my guest I don't think is in the afternoon right now because he lives in Australia. Uh, he's uh, Adam Ramsey. He leads a Liberty Church on the Gold Coast, and he uh, is also serves as the network director for Acts 29 Asia Pacific. Despite all that, he's written this very lovely book called Truly, Truly, I Say to You, Meditations on the Words of Jesus from the Gospel of John. And I love John, and looking at his book, I love it. So um, he's got insights from Charles Spurgeon, another favorite of mine. So I can't wait to meet him and have him talk about his book. Adam, welcome. Hey, thank you, Bill. Great to be with you. And it is morning here on the other side of the planet, but it's morning (laughs) in the future. Yeah. So so it's tomorrow, and I can tell you that tomorrow's good. So keep going, guys. You're going to get that. (laughs) Yeah. And how early is it? Have you had breakfast yet? Uh, I've had breakfast. I've got my coffee here with me right now. It is 8 a.m. in the morning. Okay, awesome. Well, thank you for being on the program. Uh, Love your devotional, just so you know. Um, Let's talk about it. Thank you. And I love Charles Spurgeon. So why did you decide to to use, you know, writings from Spurgeon in in your book? Besides the obvious. Besides the obvious, I mean, there's there's not many that rival Spurgeon when it comes to just brilliance and wit and imagery and metaphor. Um, But I think for me, so Charles Spurgeon has been a hero of mine for uh, most of my Christian life there. And so I've I've read a lot of what he's written. And I thought, what a great conversational partner for the words of Jesus through the gospel of John. And, And he's got so much just fantastic content. So for me, even just researching for this book um, and reading hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of Spurgeon sermons and and book chapters of stuff that he's written about Jesus's words, specifically in John's gospel, Bill was genuinely one of the most edifying things I've I've ever personally done, Uh, hunting for the right words to help just drive home the words of Jesus into our hearts. So the way each short devotional is structured is words from Jesus, uh, a reflection from me that turns those words around and looks to press them into our hearts. And then Spurgeon brings us home with uh, some thoughts on those particular words as well. Beautiful, beautiful. Adam Ramsey is my guest. Adam, when you think of the way Jesus would ask questions all the time, and he he would ask different types of questions, why do you think he asked so many questions? Well, I think Jesus asked questions not so much because he was looking for information he didn't know, right? I mean, I think Jesus would ask questions that he would use to help those he asked the questions uh, of to see themselves mm-hmm. and to see himself in light of who he is. So if you think of even uh, the questions of God throughout the scriptures in the garden, uh, God comes to Adam and Eve hiding in the shame of their first sin and asks, where are you? Uh, in Genesis 3. And, and it wasn't because he was unaware of their geographic location, right? Like they, uh, he knew where they were. Uh, it was because they were unaware of the impact of their new spiritual location uh, that their sin and rebellion had put them in, in proximity with God. 
you know, in God asked Job, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? He, it's not God having a memory lapse of whether Job was there or not. He's helping Job see himself in light of, of, of us. So the first chapter of the book, um, we explore the question in John 1. Jesus says to Andrew and John, what are you seeking? And I don't think he's asking that for his sake, but for theirs. So oh, that uh, they would be able to see, okay, why are they coming to Jesus? Why are they wanting to follow Jesus? What what are you seeking? So, Adam Ramsey is my guest, and he was nice enough to make four copies of his book available for listeners. It's called Truly, Truly, I Say to You, Meditations on the Words of Jesus from the Gospel of John. If you'd like to get in on the drawing, text the word book to 877 877- Nine three three two four eight four again eight seven seven nine three three two four eight four. I think a lot of people wish this was an audio book with you doing the narration because <laughs> well, that does exist too. Oh, and did you so do the narration? Is, that, I, I did the narration. Cool. So if you can endure the Australian accent and I you've love got it. sufficient language skills to understand me, by all means, yeah, no. uh, jump on Audible. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Adam. For you personally, what was the most unexpected thing that Jesus says? Oh, man. The most I mean, there's unexpected. some things that, yeah, I think it for me, it was actually uh, a passage that's very familiar, but just reading, reading it again. Uh, I mean, there's lots of things that Jesus says that are unexpected, right? When he says things like, you know, uh, destroy this temple and I will raise it up in three days. I mean, that's unexpected. And 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 people are thinking he's talking about the temple. You know, fair enough. He was standing in front of it when he said that, but he's talking about the temple of his own body and prophesying his own uh, death and resurrection. Uh, so there's unexpected things Jesus says all the time that catches his disciples off guard. I think for me, Bill, uh, this time around at least, it was Jesus's words in John 8 to the woman caught in adultery on the worst day of her life. Mm. And, and and it's his words where he says, neither do I condemn you. From now on, go and sin no more. And the order of those words, I mean, here's the thing. that Those words and that moment with Jesus really does make us ask the question for ourselves, okay, how will Jesus treat me when I really, really, really drop the ball? Mm-hmm. Like not just sin, but sin big. On the worst day of my life, how? What is the posture of Jesus to me then? And reading this this story of this the woman in John eight, uh, the point is she's undeniably guilty. Like like it's clear her guilt is clear. She was caught in the act, but there's still you know there's something off. There's hypocrisy. Uh, that the religious leaders had brought her to Jesus, but but not the man. So why not the guy as well? Um, you know, it takes two to tango. Um, and they're, they're only quoting half of the scripture, not the other half of the scripture. So, you know, there's hypocrisy in the air. And then Jesus says to them, go ahead and stone her. But there's only one small caveat. Let the one who is without sin go first. Mm-hmm. And I can just imagine that scene of just the gravity of Jesus's words sinking in on everyone present uh, and the sound of rocks hitting the ground as as fists unclenched and dropped, dropped their stones to the earth. And suddenly, one after another walked away until there's no one left but her and Jesus. And Jesus says to her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And she says, no one, Lord. And then he says those beautiful words, neither do I condemn you. Go and from now on, sin no more. 
And what struck me, Bill, about that was the only person in that crowd uh, and really in the history of the world who was qualified to throw the first rock was Jesus. Mm -hmm. And he didn't. And on the worst day of her life, uh, the one who actually had the right to condemn her forgave her mm, and then said, in light of that, go now and live differently. Mm -hmm. And that's just a gospel framework there of, of, I don't condemn you. I forgive you. Now go and live differently. And when we get those things reversed, we get Christianity backwards entirely. Yeah. That amazing insight is from Adam Ramsey. There's lots more of them just like that in his book, Truly, Truly, I Say to You, Meditations on the Words of Jesus from the Gospel of John with insights from Charles Spurgeon. We have four copies of the book. If you want to get in on the drawing, and I encourage you to do so, text the word book to 877-933-2484. So, Adam, when I think about Jesus's intimacy with the Father, it, it is reflected in his speech, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's everywhere. Constantly, Jesus is talking about, you know, I've come to do the Father's will, what the Father does, the, the Son of Man does. Um, you know, he's, he, I mean, particularly in places like John 17, when he says that he's completed the work the Father's given him to do. Um, and uh, he says things like, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory that I had before the world existed. I mean, those are prayers of of deep intimacy with the Father, and and I think in those those prayers there, as we see the intimacy of Jesus's language with the Father, we're seeing both Jesus, our elder brother, Jesus, the the forerunner and the mediator, uh, going ahead before us and opening the way for us to have uh, access to the Father, but he's also Jesus, our example, and showing us now because of him, how we can approach the father. Mm -hmm. And there is an intimacy there that, that because of Jesus, uh, he is secured for us. And that's really good news. Mm. That's wonderful. Adam. So as believers, how should we, you know, how should our relationship with, with Jesus affect the way we listen to his words? Well, I mean, that's, that's the, that's really the driving force behind why I wrote truly, truly, I say to you, was Jesus's words. Is there any words more precious in all of the world recorded in all of human history than the words of God become flesh, mm. the word become flesh, the light that came into the world who the darkness did not overcome. The one who is Hebrews 1, 3 says he's upholding the universe by the word of his power. Uh, he is the radiance of the glory of God. He's the exact imprint of God's nature. If he speaks, how how important, how precious it is that we can listen to those words and have the same power that that upholds the universe speaking to us in words that we can comprehend and understand. So I think as far as the way that it should affect our relationship with Jesus, well, when our hearts cracked open to Jesus, mm -hmm. it's because he called our name and he called us to himself. And he says in places like John 10 that, uh, you know, uh, I know my sheep and my sheep know my voice and they will listen to me and they will follow me. And so for us who love him, when we hear the words of Jesus, our, our response should be what a precious thing it is to be taught by Jesus, to be loved by Jesus, to be corrected by Jesus and to follow Jesus. 
And so is there anything more important in all the world for us than even beginning our days with a sense of, I need to hear from the Lord Mm. and then walk with him through that day and through that week. Adam, this is what I love about the body of Christ. You're sitting in Australia having breakfast. It's eight o'clock in the morning. (laughs) And I feel like you and I have been friends for 20 years. (laughs) <laughs> really? Uh, that's what Isn't I love. that beautiful it, about it, the family of God? It's so beautiful. And let me just read something from page 106 in your book. Do you feel morally underqualified for entry into the Father's presence? You are, but Jesus is not looking at your resume. He wants you to trust in his, let not your heart be troubled, believe in me. That's John 14, 1. That's from Adam Ramsey's book, Truly, Truly, I Say to You, Meditations on the Words of Jesus from the Gospel of John. I have four copies to give out. If you want to get in on the drawing to get one of these copies, text the word book to 877-933-2484. We'll take a short break and be right back with Adam. Thanks for listening to Afternoons with Bill Arnold. I'm Carmen LaBurge. If you enjoy what you're listening to here, consider subscribing to other great Faith Radio podcasts like mine. Search Mornings with Carmen LaBurge at MyFaithRadio.com or wherever you listen to podcasts and hit subscribe. Father, let your kingdom come. Father, let your will be done. On earth as in heaven, right here. My guest today is Adam Ramsey. He's written a book called Truly, Truly, I Say to You. If it sounds like he's not from around here, he's not. He lives in Australia, and he's coming to us live just after, uh, it's about 8.20 in the morning there, and we're talking uh, about the beautiful uh, heart and priorities that Jesus used with his words. Um, Adam, what do you... What do Jesus' words just reveal about his heart and his priorities? Because I'm asking these questions about myself each year as you get older. Well, the words of Jesus, Jesus, I mean, himself said that from the overflow of the heart, uh, the mouth speaks, the the words of our our mouths reveal what's in our hearts. And so Jesus' words reveal the very depths of Jesus' heart. And in a very real sense there, like let's, let's even press that reality deeper. If Jesus is the word become flesh, then Jesus is the truest revelation of God's heart to us. He's the word that reveals the heart of God. So if you're ever not sure what God is like, you only ever need to look at Jesus. What might be obscure about God in some senses, or perhaps as we read parts of the Old Testament and go, okay, what is God like? Jesus is is the exact imprint of God's nature, according to Hebrews 1.3. So the word become flesh reveals the heart of God is the exact imprint of God's nature. Jesus is not a blurry photocopy of what God is like. He's exactly what God is like, the radiance of the glory of God. And that means when we look at Jesus, we are seeing the truest and deepest thing of who God is. And when we listen to his words, we're seeing the truest and deepest thing of what he wants us to know about himself. And uh, I think maybe if we were to take one thing, what do his words reveal about his heart and his priorities? Well, over and over, he says that he came to do the Father's will. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's 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 it for us who love him and belong to him. We want to be about the Father's will, to know him, enjoy him, be cherished by him, and to glorify him. 
Mm, so good. Adam, I, maybe you can, you'd be willing to share some words that Jesus used from the Gospel of John for someone who might have woken up on, on Monday after Resurrection Sunday and maybe they're hurting or discouraged. Um, mm. That would be lovely. Mm. Look, Jesus said some of the most precious things the night to his disciples right before he went to the cross and and their hearts were were hurting and discouraged because jesus says that i'll be going away from you um and he said in places like john uh end of john 13 uh where i'm going you you won't be able to follow and and he's um, and i'm going to prepare a place for you and he's talking about i'm going to the cross and then a little later on, before he prays for them in John 17, he has these wonderful words in John 16, verse, I think it's verse 33. And Jesus says, um, in this world, oh, he says, take peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So in me, you will have peace. In the world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And so I think of that and I think of just wonderful, how wonderful it is that first Jesus is honest about the sorrows and troubles that will come our way. Mm-hmm. So when they come our way, I think part of our sanctification in life, Bill, is we learn to, and it's a process, it takes time, but we learn to perhaps be less shocked that life is hard the further we walk with Jesus. We know life's going to be hard. We mm-hmm. know that there will be unexpected curveballs. He promised us himself in this world, there will be tribulation. There will be troubles. But we also have this promise that intersects those troubles. And Jesus promised, take heart. I have overcome the world. Your sorrow will turn into joy. And so that promise alone, he acknowledges the reality of suffering but promises us a future that's woven into his resurrection. Your sorrow will turn into joy. I have overcome the world. Those kind of promises invincibilize us to keep pressing forward through anything and everything that comes our way. So if you're hurting right now, and if it's if life's just hard right now, hear the words of Jesus. Your sorrow will turn into joy. In the world, you will have trouble, but take heart. Jesus has overcome the world. Adam, I love that verse so much. I think I've read it in every translation I can get my hands on. And one translation, which I'm particularly fond of, is in this world you will have trouble, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Yeah. And I thought, huh, yeah, I, wonder, I wonder how often uh, Christians are characterized as people of good cheer. Yeah. I think it's the reason why Paul commands us to rejoice Right, we're not. It's not suggested. Like, hey, if you guys are feeling up to it, you should rejoice. Uh, Paul <laughs> writes from a, mm-hmm. he, he 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 gives us a, a moral command of rejoice, uh, and he's writing from a prison cell. So we know his not his life's not going amazing at this moment from a human perspective when he's writing to the church in Philippi. But in Philippians four, Paul says, "Rejoice in the Lord." Mm-hmm. Again, I'll say it: rejoice. And then he talks about, you know, don't be anxious for anything, but in everything, like the Lord is near, bring your prayers to him. If our joy is tied to this world, we'll have lots of reasons not to rejoice. Mm-hmm. If our joy is tied to Jesus, we Amen. will always, in every circumstance, 
have a reason to rejoice because he is unchanging and unwavering in a world that is constantly shifting and changing and wavering. And so I love that you shared that. Be of good cheer. Mm. Even in the sorrows, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So good. Adam Ramsey is my guest. His book is Truly, Truly, I Say to You, Meditations on the Words of Jesus from the Gospel of John. He was nice enough to allow us four copies to give away and get in on the drawing. Text the word book to 877-933-2484. And if you simply can't wait for the drawing, you can go right to Amazon.com and buy it. You probably wouldn't mind that either. All right. Um, maybe uh, with our time remaining, Adam, we just have about three more minutes. You can maybe share some of Jesus's words from the Gospel of John for someone who's wrestling with doubt. Hmm. Okay. So I think maybe some of my most favorite words. I think they're the some of my yeah. I think they're the, my favorite words in the whole book of John. And I'm I'm sort of just doubting myself now as I say that, which is ironic in light of the question, uh, those wrestling with doubt. But John 6, 37, Jesus says, whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. And that is such a wonderful promise. If I'm wrestling with doubt, Jesus wants me to bring my doubt to him, to come to him, to not allow my doubt to push me away from him. Uh, doubt about his goodness, doubt about God's sovereignty, doubt about God's plan, doubt about the timing of what's happening in my life right now. And I think for us, it's that the trouble is, is that Jesus's call here is so simple. And that's what makes us a little bit suspicious. Uh, the simplicity is, is the difficulty. It, it almost seems too good to be true. And so uh, we we like to complicate things and qualify things and and have all the different footnotes and uh, that might you know dilute the power of these words. But the words of Jesus stand: "Whoever comes to me, I will never cast out." And I just want I would want the person with doubts doubts about God and His goodness and Jesus and His plan to come and let every doubt be broken on the anvil of that word never. Mm -hmm. That if you come to Jesus, you will never be turned away. You will never be rejected. You'll never be sent home. And our hearts say, well, what if it's been like a million times or a billion times or even just this week I've, I've messed up or I've doubted or I've, 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 I've been ready to, to call it quits and throw in the towel again. Will Jesus turn me away if I come back to him again? Mm -hmm. And his answer is never. I will never cast you out. Mm. Anyone who comes so to me, not now, not tomorrow, not forever, he will never tire of receiving us. Mm -hmm. And here's why that's good news for doubters. Jesus loves high-maintenance people like us, <laughs> high-maintenance people like Thomas, mm -hmm. who came to Jesus with his doubts. And how did Jesus treat Thomas with his doubts? He didn't send him away. Yeah, gently. He received him. Yeah. And he loved him. Yeah. And he was gentle with his doubts. And so uh, let, the, let the glory of a promise like that overshadow every doubt and every worry about the yeah. future because Jesus really is who he said to be. And that promise is true. Adam, thank Whoever you. Whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Thank you so much for being on the show. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. We'll be right back.
You are listening to an encore presentation of Afternoons with Bill Arnold, Faith, Hope, and Clarity, a special repeat performance. Jump in your car. What's for dinner? It's the afternoon show with Bill Arnold. I have so enjoyed when I study my Bible in the last several years, having it open where I can see what the Greek word is and some of the original Hebrew words, and it is just such a wonderful way to study. And I feel like it gives me um, an opportunity to to understand God's word more richly. And so whenever I get an opportunity to learn some Greek, I always get excited. And uh, the Reverend Chris Palmer is joining us today. He's the founder and pastor of Light of Today Church in Novi, Michigan. He's also the host of the popular podcast, Greek for the Week. You'll find that on several internet platforms. He's written a number of books, but today we're going to, again, talk some Greek with our favorite Greek teaching pastor, Chris Palmer. Hello, Chris. Hey, Bill. Good to be with you again, man. Thank you. It's been a little bit of a a break since the last time you were on, so it was nice to hear your voice. Yeah, first time I've talked to you guys, I think, since before Christmas. So here we are. Wow. Yeah, awesome. So I'm always looking forward to figuring out, finding out what we're going to learn about yeah, so today I think we are going to start in the book of 1 Corinthians. That's okay, okay. Paul's Love it. first letter to the Corinthians. And um, are you familiar with the idea of personification, where you take something that is not alive and you talk about it like it's alive in order to bring that thing full force and maybe describe it? For instance, saying the sea is angry, the sun's rays gave me a hug, um, you know, something of that nature. Sure. Uh, and Okay, okay, good, good. Most people may, but I don't know if they know it by, by that terminology. And this is this, this happens a lot of times in Scripture. Now, I may have mentioned this on this. I can't remember. We've been doing this so long. I've, I've talked about this. But if we have, we have some people maybe for the first time that are hearing this. Um, but the Apostle Paul does this in a very interesting place in 1 Corinthians 15, 10. When he's talking about the grace of God. He says in the 10th verse of chapter 15, and he says, it's by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that was with me. What the Apostle Paul does here is he's, he's talking to his church who is under the influence. Let's just say they have some bad influences that are coming their way. They don't like Paul. They think that he's just a crook. They have a negative view of him and they're poisoning the Corinthian church. And so Paul's trying to explain to them why he is um, his credentials per se. And he gets, he gets this place and he, at the end of his argument, he blames the grace of God. He says, it's by grace that I'm able to do anything that I'm doing. And first thing that he says is he uses a preposition and the preposition that he uses here, he says, the grace of God is, is toward me. And this is a preposition, ace. So you'd say it would be like an E, an I, and an S. So ace. Um, and this means to, to move towards something, to come at something mm-hmm. um, directionally. So it, it shows grace sort of like I always describe it. Maybe this is rather crudely, but... Paul's alone. He needs a co-laborer. He needs a partner in crime, if you will. And Grace finds the Apostle Paul and joins up with him. So if he's 
Batman, this is his Robin. If he is Starsky, this is his Hutch. If he's peanut butter, this is his jelly. Now he has something that is co-laboring alongside him. Well, then Paul goes on and he says, I worked harder than any of them. So now Paul's talking about his labor with this grace that has, that has come along and, and joined up with him. And then he says, but it's not I, but it's the grace of God that's with me. Now he shifts, he shifts prepositions here. Now he says soon, so now it's the grace of God that is with him. So that word with means to it, you, you've joined something together. It is, mm-hmm. it is with you, it is alongside of you, it's been with you. So these prepositions here really paint the picture for us that in Paul's life, he was never alone. Even though the narrative that Acts shows Paul, and there's many times where he's by himself. I mean, there he is, okay, off the road of Tarras, and he's being beaten. There he is in the Sea of near Malta. He's shipwrecked. There he is in Philippi. He's in the prison. He's jailed. I mean, there's countless times where you think loneliness in and of itself could have done Paul in. What he's trying to tell you is that Grace was like a partner with him. It was like a, a co-worker working beside him. And I think that the really maybe the application can draw here without going too far is to say that there may be times in our life where we can sense the tangible grace of God working in us to accomplish things that we in ourselves aren't able to do. I mean, I look back on my life at times and say, you know, how was I able to, to make it through that or get through that? And I think when we're, we're joined up with God, His grace is abundant in our lives. And Paul's putting that into the remembrance of the Corinthians. And I think that he gives us something to reach for in this verse. Mm, I love that. I'm thinking of a pastor I had on the program, and I'm not going to remember his last name, Chris. His first name was Bill. And he talked about grace, and he said, it, you know, if you break it, grace fixes it. If you yeah. lose it, grace finds it. If you spoil it, grace restores it. Yeah. When you're dirty, grace cleans you. When you're down uh-huh. low, grace picks you up. When you're hurt, grace comforts. And it just is just a reminder that grace is always there for you. And that's, I think, to your point, why Paul, although being shipwrecked, shipwrecked and, and starving and in prison and beaten, he did not feel alone. Yeah, and I think that uh, that pastor has it absolutely correct, is that, I mean, in, in one sense of the matter, there's something that we it, we have our own working, but there's a point where God's grace is, is evident and it takes over. And, you know, if you're listening and you're, you're listening to this broadcast tonight, grace is something that we can rely on. I think that prayer puts us into a state of mind where we are we become conscious of the fact that we ask God for His grace. I mean, there's things that we supplicate for and we ask God for, but even in prayer, we become reminded that it's really not us and it's not in our, our striving, but we can trust in the Lord. And it's... um. It's what carried Paul in his ministry. We language that maybe if you're more charismatic or Pentecostal, you might say that's the anointing of God. Or maybe, um, you know, if you're more sacramental, <clears throat> you, you may have different ways of, of explaining this. But needless to say, the scripture is telling us that there's um, the evidence of God's grace in our lives. So it's very important. Mm. Yeah. Reverend Chris Palmer is my guest. So, Chris, I mean, regardless of whatever situation you are facing, it seems that God will, in a way, adapt his grace to meet your need. 
and his grace is, is abundant and will never run out. Yeah, you know, when Paul says that his grace is sufficient, I mean, he's using, um, he's using, a, he's using terms here that is, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's like an accountant. He says God's grace is sufficient. This word here is sufficient. It's referring to Paul's counted. He's looked at the left side of the ledger. Justified. The right side of, yeah. Uh, sufficient. Yeah, he's looked at, his grace is sufficient. Okay. He's looked at the left side of the ledger. He's looked at the right side of the ledger. And he sees that the problems and the issues that he has or the, the challenges or circumstances that he's facing, okay, adds up or the grace of God is enough on the right side to meet that need it it all equals out because in other words god's grace has provided to us in abundance all that we need to meet the difficulties and the challenges that we face his grace is sufficient mm-hmm. and chris when we are right now discussing in first corinthians 15 and we we go down to this verse that you were referencing where he says no i worked harder than all of them Yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me, and of course with me, as you're prompting my Greek to be a little bit better, is is it sin ego, which means, is that a synergy, was working yeah. with me? Yeah, I mean, it was, I think that's kind of where we get the word, absolutely. I mean, it's an ergeo, would be sin is with, and then an ergeo means um, enablement or the, the ability. So, yeah, that's where we would get the word synergy, but he's... It's talking about an, this this overwhelming power, this ability. Mm-hmm. This ability is not coming from him. This ability is is coming from God, and um, you know he knows that his church is is in need of that because of the challenges that they face, and he knows that he, he he's certainly seen evidence of that in his own life. So he's writing about it and and testifying to it. Yeah. So Chris, any more encouragement for someone who is clearly in a in a bind today, and maybe they just received news today that is uh, overwhelming them and they're wondering where's God's grace in all this how am I going to navigate my way through it you had mentioned earlier that you wondered the same thing at various times in your life maybe you could talk us uh, through some of that yeah I think that you know the the rational there's we have to divide the difference between a rational attempt at explaining perhaps our circumstances and our situations I mean there's not always a rational answer for us or at least one that's satisfying or one that completely makes sense to us. Being a pastor for as many years as I've been, uh, it, it always seems that there's, well, you know, we want something rational. But Paul tells us that God gives us a peace that surpasses our understanding, which to me um, tells us the part I want to focus on here is that surpasses understanding or a stupor or goes above the understanding is that um, – while it's good to be rational and it's good to try to make sense of things, the journey that we're on in God, there's not always going to, it's not always going to be afforded to us. And I say that with as much compassion as I possibly can and as much, as much empathy as I can for an individual listening tonight, um, is that the irrational is not always there. But what the, the scripture is promising is that even if the rational explanation isn't there, if it all doesn't add up in that way, we can still expect to experience the grace of God, however that comes, whether it be peace or comfort or um, just the sensation of knowing that everything is, that God is at work in our circumstances. I mean, there are countless testimonies of believers who have been through the most difficult 
uh, challenging and worst circumstances of life. But they would say is, uh, for instance, I think of uh, one of my friends from Kansas who lost her father to a sudden heart attack. And, you know, I, I have not lost a parent in my life, so I wouldn't know where to begin with this. And I had asked them, this person was close to their father, how, what was this like? And, of course, you know, they expressed this sort of do, um, ang- anxiousness or, uh, of grief that would come from this. But to that grief, they said, I don't know how to explain it, but I have a knowing I've been knowing that I'm going to see them again. I have an assurance and it's well with me. And I don't know how to rationalize that, but I know it's well with me. And I think that is available to us. It, it doesn't diminish the grief or the suffering that we're experiencing in the moment. It doesn't make the circumstance and the situation go away. But there is something I think that is otherworldly that comes from God. And we owe that in most part to to God's grace that's at work in our lives. So I'd say hope for the best and expect that uh, maybe aim higher than a rational explanation and Mm. aim for the work of the Spirit to be demonstrated in your life, whether you're given that or not. We can't fight worldly problems with worldly weapons, can we? Absolutely not, no. Paul reminds us that in in Ephesians chapter 6 and um, you know, so I think we, we keep our mind and our hearts on, on what's above. Yeah. My guest is the Reverend Chris Palmer. He's the founder and pastor of Light of Today Church in Novi, Michigan. We're going to continue talking a little Greek with uh, Chris. He's the host of the very popular podcast, Greek for the Week, and you can find that on any one of the internet platforms. He's also written a number of books, and uh, if you can just Google Chris Palmer author, you can find any of his books He's written a bunch of them. They include books such as Living as a Spirit, Hearing the Voice of God on Purpose, The 85 Questions You Ask When You are be- when you Begin a Relationship with God, The Believer's Journey, and many more. We'll take a break. Be right back with Chris. Faith Radio and Afternoons with Bill podcasts are available because of listener support. If you are a supporter, thank you so much. Becoming a supporter today by visiting MyFaithRadio.com. You are listening to an encore presentation of Afternoons with Bill Arnold. Faith, hope, and clarity in a special repeat performance. My guest, Reverend Chris Palmer, helps God's Word come alive from the Greek in a kind of a unique way. He's got a very accessible approach to learning some Greek, and I love learning Greek, and it doesn't always stick, Chris. Uh, Sometimes I think, what's that Greek word again? But it's always good to go back and and, uh, learn it over and over and over. I'm sure that's the way you learned it, isn't it? Yeah, it's the way I learned it. And I think that if we're the whole technical aspect of Greek is pretty unimportant for for those that aren't working with the mechanics of the language i, I don't i think maybe it's just uh we, we in other words we can learn a lot about what the original language is trying to tell us without making bones over how to pronounce or you know the the uh, pedantic aspects of greek there's a lot available to us and mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of great resources that that sort of lead us that way and so um yeah so 
I think the most important part is just the just see so you know what it means and we can leave the technical stuff to the experts I suppose right yeah right well let's learn some more Greek we've got another 10 minutes what else yeah so I yeah so I always like to start with words um, you know when I do workshops I make talk a little bit about syntax but since you know, we have 10 minutes we can talk about another word I think that is pretty interesting and that's a common word that we all know we all have heard about and that's the word temptation and uh, Luke 11:4, Jesus tells the disciples that uh, when, when, he's, when he's teaching the Lord's Prayer that we should pray, lead us not into temptation. Uh, we see that in different aspects where we see the Lord's Prayer. Now, the word temptation in the Greek is parasmon or parasmos. Uh, it depends on whatever the form of the word might be. But it refers to an antiquity. Uh, an extensive test that tries the nature or character of someone or something. So it's a test that's going to determine to us what this thing is made out of. And so if you look in historical documents where between 4th century BC up until the 1st century AD, it wouldn't be uncommon or incorrect to say that this would be referring to a medical experiment that through such an examination, the nature of something would actually would actually come to light. So I think it's not too much of a stretch here to say what Jesus is, is referring to here is that when you come under a temptation, you're coming under a test or an examination. That's what it's going to do. It's going to reveal what's inside of us. Now, this word is in Scripture used in a negative sense. So... The reason why the Lord, so I I know, I I realize that a medical examination could be a positive sense, especially if what's in that thing is um, something good. But this word adds more of a nuance to it in the New Testament, because the temptations that come aren't necessarily like neutral medical examinations, but rather they are malignant. These are seductions, they're persecutions. And their tribulations that characterize the age that we're living in. Um, and James is clear that these sorts of tests that are going to really try to bring out the worst of us, okay? They come from the devil. They come from the fallen social order that we live in. And yet, at times, they even come from our own fleshly desires. And so they could bring out the best in us. That's if we're given to God in a situation where we're given over to the Spirit, but they also could bring out the worst in us, and that's that's why God tells us that in the midst of these, we're to ask God for for His help. Okay, and so I don't know if you, if you've ever been in the midst of a of a temptation, uh, you know, it's really a time to start praying. And our temptations aren't always things right that come along. For just 10 seconds or 10 minutes or 30 minutes. I mean, temptation can be something that is ongoing. It could be something that's prolonged. It could be something that lasts five days, five weeks, five months, even five years. But the way that Jesus teaches us about temptation is not that it wouldn't exist, because this life's going to be a constant temptation to us, but to have that position of surrender to God in prayer because one thing Jesus is acknowledging by telling us to bring this temptation to the Lord is to let us know that we don't have the strength in and of ourselves to overcome 
these sorts of tests or these persecutions or these seductions. So he calls us to a life of prayer. And just about every time I minister or talk about temptations, and I ask those who are present to reflect on temptations they've they've succumbed to, the greater bulk of people will admit that those are times where they weren't in prayer. They didn't take those temptations to prayer. Um, and that tells me and that, that Jesus is correct in saying that prayer is really what brings us through temptation um, successfully and on the other side. Chris, I work with a lot of men in recovery from addiction, and uh, when it comes to temptation, uh, there's a, a lovely uh, acronym called HALT, which is a lot of times temptation uh, is you cave in when you are uh, hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. And it's a, it's a quick diagnostic if you're in a situation and you feel like that you feel really tempted is to just ask yourself the HALT question, am I hungry, angry, lonely, or tired? Because you can very easily uh, fall into temptation in that situation. Yeah, I think that is absolutely, that's absolutely co- correct. And those are, if you look at those, it it seems pretty simple, right? I mean, it seems almost like Maslow's hierarchy of needs in a sense yeah. that when our when our basic needs aren't being met, then we're, we give in to perhaps our our carnal, or we're, we're at our weakest. But those, right, were sort of what Jesus found himself in, right? He's tempted when he's fasting by the devil, right, when he's hungry. Mm-hmm. He is, he's in the desert, and he's all alone. There's times where he spent time ministering to the multitudes, and he goes away. Uh, he's tired, and he takes time to rest, and constantly Scripture is telling us to to observe the Sabbath. And of course, we find warnings in Scripture about what to do with our anger. And that tells me that this HALT acronym, which I think is great, presents things or areas that the enemy, which are perfectly natural, which are perfectly part of the human experience, but they're things that Satan will take advantage of and he will manipulate um, as as he is, because he doesn't play fair, right? No. To, <laughs> you know, it, it, he doesn't play fair and the things that he will manipulate to bring out to bring out the worst of. So yeah, there are things that he feeds on. He feeds on isolation. He feeds on uh, uncontrolled emotion or, or visceral emotion. He feeds on lack of appetite and, you know, our fatigue. So we owe ourselves, we owe it to ourselves to take the necessary precautions that we can in our, in our life for these things. But I also don't think these things are just completely natural. I think sleep and rest and controlling our emotions and, and feeding ourselves. I think these are spiritual things. And I mm-hmm. think that they're things that we should surround in prayer, you know, things that we should be kind to ourselves. And by that, I mean, be, be good stewards of our own selves and, and give ourselves to prayer. And that, that, so looking at this as a spiritual thing, um, because by, by protecting those of our life, we keep the enemy out and, um, we really set ourselves up for success and not for failure. Mm-hmm. And when Chris, you, when I think of uh, Hebrews four fifteen, that Jesus was tempted in every way, but yet without sin, 
I think of him going out to spend time in prayer with his father, and I wondered at times if that's some of that prayer time was spent battling some of his temptations that he experienced in this life, because apparently he experienced uh, all of them. Yeah, I think I think Christ's temptations come from. I think he was tempted in the way that Adam was tempted. We're in, we have a sinful flesh. Mm-hmm. Maybe we've given into sin. Jesus right. came and hadn't. So the temptations that Jesus was facing were coming directly from Satan. They were coming directly from the. I mean, it is pretty clear in. In Matthew chapter 4, when it talks about Satan, the, the definite article is used. So it's the Satan. We know he's the enemy of mankind. And I would say that this is a very extreme, a very, I mean, it, it is this, it, we're talking the same level that Adam himself, the federal representative of mankind, is undergoing. Um, and the way that Jesus battles this, the way that Jesus, is through prayer. Yeah, and that and that that sets a pattern for us to understand that if we who are sinful flesh, in that sense, unlike Christ, okay, and Jesus who is came having not sinned uses prayer. Mm-hmm. How much more do we need to actually depend on prayer when we kind of have twice the uh, twice the ability to stand? I would yeah. say, in a sense. And on that and note, we have Chris. Our question. On that note, we'll wrap it up. Uh, Thank you so much for being on the program. Great to talk to you. Hey, bless you. Thank you, Bill. Thank you. Reverend Chris Palmer has been my guest, and that's our show for the day. Thank you for spending time with me. If you missed any of it, head to MyFaithRadio.com. Check out the podcast. See you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.